Computer, initialize Holosuite. Holosuite Media. Welcome to a brand new episode of The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast. My name is Carl West and I am joined by a regular co-host and the man with the most appearances on this podcast, in fact, Mr. Chris Hill. How are you doing, Chris? Doing pretty good. How about yourself, Kyle? I'm ill. I'm very ill. Uh, as you know, we had uh, recording schedule problems because I, okay. I was ill for our last session last week. Uh, anyone who has listened to me on all my other shows has probably cured me dealing with my sickness. I, it's, it's annoying because it's just a cold. I mean, Harrison was back in school for one day, just one day, and then he's off for the rest of the week because it was like an introductory coming back after yeah. COVID. And it got us all ill. And then after over a week, I've still got it. And the problem I've noticed as well, it's the first time I've had a cold since I had COVID-19, like six mm-hmm. or seven months ago. And I can't shift it, like my, my cough. I can't get rid of the cough now like I previously could and it's just harder with the breathing a bit and I've realized that there's actually that's probably what they say about the lasting damage of of COVID-19 yeah. and um, that might be something I'm gonna have to live with going on that whenever I get a cold or something or a flu I'm gonna it's gonna take me a little longer to get out of my my system so uh, anyone who thinks COVID-19 is a hoax I'm telling you it's real it's very very real I've had it I had it just before lockdown which was so annoying because yeah. it was like, no, we've got it. We've got it. <laughs> Don't lock us down. Don't lock us down. We've already had it. <laughs> but no, I'm good otherwise, man. I'm loving my Trek right That's now. Good. Loving my Star Trek. At the time of uh, recording this, there's some lower decks left. But when this airs, it will be Discovery time, I think. Yeah. I watched the trailer again for Discovery Season 3 yesterday. Katie had seen it, and I'd only previously seen it on my phone during Star Trek Day. Yeah. So I watched it on Netflix, because they got it all on there now already. And like on the big 50-inch screen, and I was like, oh my god, this... <laughs> This season looks incredible. So I'm looking forward to Discovery. I may have already seen it by the time everyone hears this. Yeah. So what's been going on in life, Chris? Oh, just typical work stuff. Caught up on my podcast because I was off the week before. Or yeah, the week before this. and They just kind of started piling up. They have a habit of doing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, yesterday we uh, recorded our first commentary for, for The Voyages, which was uh, for Spock's brain. On there, I, I mentioned, like I mentioned to you offline, you know, that Heather and I were had sort of like a, a brunch type setup uh, yesterday and then went to the to our comic book store that we go to. And on the way there, we saw a bunch of, uh, uh, well, MAGA fans, as you, uh, yeah. one, one could say. So we we were doing our best, you know, sarcastic Vulcan salutes and, and you know, <laughs> basically F you, live long and prosper. So I love that, like, live long and prosper for what was it, 54 years, has been like a true sign of respect. And I would even use it at the end of an argument on Twitter with someone, you know, just live long and prosper, my friend, we're done. And now it's like, 
Now it's like now it's like a curse, a curse word. <laughs> yeah, so like live long and prosper, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Know? So I love that. Anyway, we're here to talk about a British person actually today. So on this week's show, we're going to be doing our first character study, and we went for Malcolm Reed. And the reason we did this, Chris, was because next week we're covering What Price Honor, which was mm-hmm. an Enterprise novel that had Reed at the forefront of it. Yes. This is almost like a... A preview of yeah, it. Yes, like I wouldn't say this is like a two-parter podcast and this being the first part, but they're kind of like just two episodes that I think are going to sit very nicely with each other. Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to that discussion because I haven't finished the book yet. I'm really enjoying it Yeah. compared to the previous one, just the writing. I'm really into it. And Reed was one of my favorite characters. So I'm looking forward to this discussion today. And don't forget as well to subscribe to us on whatever app you're using. We're also on Amazon Music now. Uh, Now Amazon have opened their podcast section. But for some reason, no way to share the page, the link. I tried to share it on our thing and I couldn't do it. So yeah, we're all over the podcast app. So make sure you like and subscribe and review us five stars, please. Right, that's all out of the way. Let's get into it. The reason everyone's here is to talk about everyone's favourite Brit. That might not be true, actually. I'm trying to think. I mean, I've just watched DS, a DS9 episode, so you got Bashir. We'll put it this way. Everyone's favourite uh, 22nd century. Exactly. Brit. <laughs> the only one and our favourite. So Malcolm Reed was the first, I think, correct me please if I'm wrong, but Malcolm Reed was the first British character after Julian Bashir. First regular? Yeah, I do believe so, because I don't think there's any anyone British in Voyager. No. I'm, I was, I'm like scanning through my head trying to know when I'm forgetting someone. No, no main character. So yeah, he was like the uh, first one for a few years when he came on. About two years, I think. The gap between DS9 and Enterprise. So let's just briefly talk about uh, Malcolm Reed's history. Malcolm Reed was born September 2nd, 2117, into an English family with strong naval traditions. At the time of Enterprise, I think he would have been about 33, about to turn 34. Yeah. I can't work out if that's younger or older than I think he's going to be, but it's probably about right, actually. I don't know how old Dominic Keaton was when he uh, took on the role. They were about the same age. He had a sister, Madeline, and his parents. He had a bit of a, I dare say, distant relationship with. Yeah. I guess we'll come on to that in a bit now, but I think they had no idea he'd even gone out on the NX-01, had they? Yeah, I think it sort of seemed as a surprise, but they were like, uh, but that's him. I think Reed mentions it later, doesn't he? I think maybe it comes up in Minefield or Shuttlepod 1. Shuttlepod 1. They mention yeah. it because he's leaving a message for him. Yes, yeah, a very distant relationship there. And he's a very closed off person. He obviously goes into Starfleet. And eventually he's the person who Jonathan Archer decides to take as his armory officer mm-hmm. on the NX-01. And he ends up serving on that ship until it's decommissioned in 2161. When Reed would have been, let's go with 43, 44. Yeah. Before we go in deep into him, what was your first impressions of Reed when you first met him in, in Broken Bow. I'm assuming Broken Bow was your first Enterprise episode. Yeah, I think so. My first impression was, you know, okay, so we've got a Brit. That's cool. Kind of like how he's making fun of, fun of Trip a little bit with it, with mm. his accent. But I, I could, there I could kind of see that they were going to have this little friendly rivalry slash, you know, deeper friendship later on just, just in those first couple scenes. I like that so. it was that way around, though, because normally... Mm-hmm. Normally the jokes are on the British person at the British person's right. expense because of the the accent. So it was nice that it was flipped 
And mm-hmm. I can't really remember a time when Reed was ever made fun of for his accent off the top of my head. Yeah. I guess even with Dominic Keaton, like, what was it? Just that whole package in episode one. Didn't see a whole lot of Reed, but, you know, we saw him uh, with the alien dancers, and then we saw him. Mm-hmm. I think Reed has the, one of the best lines ever in Star Trek, the famous, you know, it has two settings, stun and kill. You'd be best not to confuse them or whatever the line, whatever it specifically was. I personally came out of it and was like, oh, yeah, British guy is great. But I thought he seemed quite fun. I I liked I liked him. He, he seemed much more, I think, relaxed in that episode. Yeah. Than he seems later on. Later on in that season. Yeah. I think it's almost like from the next episode, he's just <laughs> he's switched and become a bit stiffer and a bit more by the book. No pun intended for the uh, yeah the novel. Listen to what his, what his actual job role was then. Like his, his title was armory officer. Mm-hmm. Previously, we're, we're kind of used to having tactical officer or security officer, or head of security or head yeah. of tactical. And security so this seemed like a change i've got to be honest i'm not sure why can you think why they would call him an armory officer suddenly like why did they change that part of starfleet's job titles i think it, it has more to do with you know showing earth transitioning from more like naval forms into mm. their own little starfleet type form job description i hadn't thought of that yeah that's a good point actually I did kind of like the idea that he had the armory to work in. That was like his main mm-hmm. his main workspace, I guess. I found that quite different and that excited me. I think they kind of moved away from that a little bit as the show went on. Yeah, as we went on. It definitely appeared more in the first season, I think, and maybe the second than it did the later ones. Did you ever become attached to Malcolm as a character? I wouldn't necessarily say attached, but I always I enjoyed mo- most of the the times that he was on screen and interacting with the rest of the crew. For me, I was I was more attached to Trip. So yeah, yeah. I guess I guess it makes sense that you and I are doing a podcast together. <laughs> yeah. If you enjoy listening to The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast every week, then please consider supporting our show by becoming a patron visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash nx01podcast to view our subscription tiers. Benefits of becoming a patron include earlier access to our episodes, bonus episodes, and much more. Your support helps us continue to maintain and exceed the high level of quality that you have come to expect from this show. To all our existing patrons, we appreciate you and your generosity so much. And to those of you considering joining us, we will be so thankful to welcome you into our group of patrons. Visit www.patreon.com forward slash nx01 podcast for more details you will also be able to find the website link in the details for this podcast episode i was attached to read straight away for obvious reasons and i remember i can remember this very specifically terra nova just aired on whatever day enterprise was there and Tuesdays or Wednesdays, can't remember. And I must have seen it a day or two later with my dodgy slow copies in the UK. So, and I loved reading it. And I remember I was on trekbbs.com in the Enterprise Forum where there was always, there was, it was all out war for like (laughs) for four years in there. And I, there was a couple of appreciation threads for like, I can't remember what they called them, but they weren't, I don't think they were called appreciation threads, but they were discussion threads for like, I think it was like Trip to Paul and an archer. I don't think there really was one for Reed. And then I started one for Reed and it took off. This I remember this discussion oh, wow. thread. It lit up, as they say, and it was post after post. Couldn't keep up and it ended up there to close it when it reaches a certain amount. You start a new one and it kept going and going. And so I officially started. They had it. They gave themselves a name. I kind of wish I could remember it. <laughs> I officially started that and they were like, I think they were like buying gifts or something to send to Dominic Keaton. Oh, nice. 
But here's the thing. I didn't realize when I started it that it was going to turn into like very much a women's club for fawning over Reed and Dominic Keaton. <laughs> I eventually kind of became a bit distant from the group because obviously, right. I, you know, I'm, I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed Margaret Reed. I enjoyed Dominic Keaton in the role. But I wasn't physically attracted to Dominic Eaton and and I felt out of place in that group, particularly given I was at that point 15 going on, would have been 16 a few months later. And so to be surrounded by probably a lot of middle-aged women who were just (laughs) in love with the the British guy on a Star Trek show, I I definitely was not in the right crowd. Uh, But yeah, I started that. Uh, I really enjoyed the character. He clearly just wanted to blow things up. And that was like a theme, wasn't it? In like particularly the first season that like when he gets his moment to blow up the wall in the Andorian incident, mm-hmm. it's like releasing like all that sexual tension, isn't it? Frustration. Yeah. It's just like he gets his explosion, so to speak. I was like, I was there with him. And then when he was blowing up bits on the comet, the following episode, I think it was. So I, I just really enjoyed him. When you rewatch it, you realize that the cheekiness that was there with Reed late mm-hmm. on in the show, actually, it was there actually very early on and, and throughout. Yeah. But he didn't show it in a lot of professional scenes when he's around high ranking offices and i think that the more that they realized reed was getting popular uh, with the show which i'm gonna i'm gonna try and claim some some uh <laughs> as that season went on as that first season went on we discussed this before uh, they started to mm-hmm. use him more dominic keaton is fantastic when he talks about enterprise because he talks about how it was they knew he said he knew going in it was the main three and yeah. he and everyone else were there just to support the main three in the stories and uh, and Philip Rolls, really. But I think that actually of the other four, I think it was four, yeah, four other characters, yeah. I think Dominic Keaton's Malcolm Reed became the fourth of the three. Yeah, sort of like the Scotty to the yeah, original. Yeah, he's just like circling that three, and it was, and you'd see Reed get pulled in, particularly season two, mm-hmm. Reed's uh, role increase, season three, which we'll come on to, all the stuff with Major Hayes. But Reed's got one of the only ongoing sort of character storylines, I think, yeah. of any character on the show that was across the season. DePaul had her, I guess, drug addiction and the stuff mm-hmm. with... And Trip had his stuff with DePaul. Yeah. Archers was an ongoing thing that was evolving as it went, but Reed's the only one who really had a, a start and end point of a rivalry with someone on the ship. Yeah. He just got these bigger roles as the show went on. Um, so for me, as a Reed fan, that was brilliant to watch. One thing that made Malcolm Reed stand out was his history, his family history, which I guess this might be one reason they made him British, but he talks a lot about his naval history that his family have. So all of his, yeah. uh, all the men in his family, I can't remember for how many generations, but they'd served in the, still the Royal Navy, I guess. I can't remember if he names it on the show. I always found that a bit fascinating because first off, it struck me as interesting that even into the 2100s that there would have still been ships like a Royal Navy would have still existed. I found that fascinating. Well, you know what they say, the sun never sets on the British Empire, so. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's looking like it might soon. It's even harder to believe the Navy would uh, would still exist at that point, knowing what we're trying to do to it now, 100 and, what, 130 years before. Yeah, so I really enjoyed that they added that in. It, it gave Reed a kind of background that we haven't had off other characters. I guess you could say that of every character we've had in Star Trek, it was that part of Reed's history that made Reed of every character feel closer to us. Right. Because, you know, none of the other characters had anything that tied them so explicitly to the 20th and 21st centuries, you know, like mm-hmm. like the actual, just the Navy and they served on ships. You know, you, you, 
you've done uh, your time and stuff when, when you're on your own side of things. You weren't Navy though, were you? You were um... no uh, Marine Corps. Yeah, so you know what I mean. Like it's uh, he's his family. Sorry, very much like you. You, yeah. you could be one of his family. Do you know what I mean? And you don't get mm-hmm. that with other Trek characters. So is that always been a fascinating side of Reed for you, the the naval history? Yeah, I, I did enjoy that they that they had brought that in and it sort of helped link it more closer to us. Which is basically what they were wanting to do anyway, so... And made it tragic a little bit, because... Mm-hmm. He suffered from... Oh, gosh. Aquaphobia. Is it aquaphobia? Is that how you say it? Yeah. The fear of drowning, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so he had a fear of drowning, so he couldn't serve in the Royal Navy, so I think his family felt disappointed in him. But, I mean, I dare say that going off and serving on the first Warp 5 exploration ship for your planet is probably a more significant honour. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I really enjoyed that part of it. And they never forgot about it as well. It always came up. Mm-hmm. And when it did come up, they added stuff to it. I think Minefield in yeah. Season 2, Episode 3, does a great job of just adding layers onto that that whole sort of backstory. That's the entire reason for the B-plot being there, is, is figuring out what Reed likes. <laughs> Well, let's talk about Allergies and Silent Enemy was the episode of that, actually. So Silent Enemy is a season one episode. Mm -hmm. We'll discuss that one day. I mean, I'm gutted that they never followed up on the alien race, but the episode Silent Enemy, they've been attacked by this race we've never seen before, and probably one of the first all-CGI aliens we've had in Star Trek as well. And trying to come up with a weapon that can stop it, so Reed, I think, yeah, Yeah. Reed, so Reed, they're going to install the phase cannons, I think it is at this point, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And so Reed is trying to do that, and during that episode, this is typical Enterprise season one and two (laughs) B-plots, Hoshi's been tasked with trying to find what Malcolm likes to eat, because it's his birthday birthday and so she wants to make a cake it turns out no one knows anything about malcolm he's very generic by the book eats what is put in front of him even his parents this is when we find out his parents didn't know he'd even gone like no one knew anything about him and then we find out that he's taken something which as is sod's law i don't have it right in front of me yeah he takes injections to treat a, a bromelain allergy yes which was because he loved pineapple pineapple I mean, that comes from Dr. Phlox with, with his medical history, I guess, for Reed. I don't know if Phlox should have been sharing that information anyway. Well, I think Hoshi kind of tricked him into giving it out. So. <laughs> Still feels like a break in doctor-patient confidentiality. But she ended up making, what was the cake? Was It, it wasn't like a pineapple-flavored cake, was it? I think she was wanting to do a pineapple upside-down cake, because I think that's that's really about the only thing I can think of that would have pineapple with it as a, as a cake. Is that a thing, like pineapple cake? Yeah, the way that I know of seeing it is, you know, you've got your cake layer and it's basically topped with like pineapples and cherries. Oh, God. I mean, oh. every time I watch that episode, I just think like that's meant to be his birthday gift. I feel like they're insulting him with it. I don't, I don't know. I'm more of a um, I'm more of a either victorious sponge guy or, or a chocolate gato. Those are my two cakes. Don't give me no pineapple cake. <laughs> can't eat it yeah chocolate cake chocolate frosting keep it simple keep it simple the allergies thing and i don't know i think it's a nice thing to add to him i don't think we ever heard of it again that whole episode what do you think it's not just the allergies in that episode it's the fact that we were suddenly finding out that no one knows anything about reed and he's actually quite a mysterious character I mean, what, what were you think at this point because you weren't like you said you never really became attached to him was this episode doing good work for you for me it was like okay how can you let that happen and then i was like oh yeah there are a few guys in my, even in my unit that are like hey you know they just kind of do their own thing so it's it's understandable how nobody would know anything about him so and i love like the bits with his, his family and stuff and i can't remember the conversation with one of his old academy friends but i, think I remember that being quite funny and and Hoshi just struggling so much to find out anything about Malcolm. Mm-hmm. But someone does break the ice with him, and that is um, Charles Tucker. Trip 
in Shuttlepod 1, which was one of my favorite Star Trek episodes of all time, mm-hmm. and Reed and Trip are stuck in this shuttle pod. They think the Enterprise is destroyed, and they know they haven't got much air left. Trip is trying to save the day. Reed has decided, <laughs> he, as a true pessimist, he's, he's decided that they're, they're goners. Now, some people, if they didn't like Reed... They could watch this episode and hate Reed. He could really be getting on their nerves. Especially with him shaving. Yeah. They would they would have the exact same reaction Trip did. And the logs he's keeping, like he's making his mm-hmm. messages. And, <laughs> and we'll come on to women in a bit, but when he's recording different messages with different women, it's just hilarious because we don't know anything about this guy. We've never seen this side of him. Like we keep hearing about these sides of Reed that we, we never see and it's so funny. But if you liked Reed like I did, Shut Up Odd One mm-hmm. was finally an episode where he got to be a proper focus and him as an actor, as like one of the anchors of the show, you know, and, and I guess it was the first time they'd really tried to create a friendship again since the um the Julian and Miles relationship from DS9. Because Kim and Paris... Yeah. yeah well, that was established in episode one, though, of Voyager. Yeah. It wasn't sort of confrontational at the beginning and then friendship later. Shuttlepod 1, what did that do for you with your impression of Malcolm Reed and what, what we find out about him in this one? To me, it did make him more likable and put him more on, on the good side for me. What about his, like, love for T'Pol that we'd never heard about? And those really, I feel uncomfortable. There's, what is it? He has a dream, and then this, particularly the scene at the end with T'Pol when he's making comments to her because I think he thinks he's dreaming still. And I was, <laughs> I was just, like, cringing. It's a bit uncomfortable, but then again, you know, he's still a little delirious from being oxygen-deprived a little bit, so. I love that his chemistry with Trip, that, as you said, mm-hmm. was there in episode one, really. I did love that the clash of stars of Trip being constantly working, he's going to get everything done and save them, and Reed is like, no, this is it, we're done, mate. We are, yeah. you know, we're going to die in this box, and we're just going to float through space, probably never to be found again as well. And I was just, yeah, just a massive fan of... Just the way he was played, particularly when they got drunk. When they got drunk, and I just found him so funny. Like that moment when Trip is going to climb into the into the airlock area, yeah. So that basically Malcolm would have enough air. So at that point, they know the Enterprise is still around and they're going to get saved. But then you read stopping him, and mm-hmm. uh, what is it? You bloody you bloody well will not, or something. He says when yeah, uh, Trip's going to climb up, pulls a phaser out, doesn't he? <laughs> and he's like, I don't want to shoot you. But I will. <laughs> just the way he delivers that line. And I just, such a mass fan of that episode. And that episode was the one that I think for the fans, I don't know if you agree with me now, but that cemented Malcolm in that like number four yeah. role. Uh, would, you, would you say that's fair to say? Mm-hmm. Uh, that would sort of move us on then to just his friendship with Trip on the show. Because at that, from that point on, it's, I can't think of when it was ever really challenged. I think it was pretty set in stone all the way through. And we didn't always see it on screen. Sometimes, as in it wasn't like a focus sometimes. Sometimes it comes down to, as we mentioned the other week on the Precious Cargo audio commentary, that when Trip is caught with the alien princess and they're not wearing much clothes, you just see in the background, see Reed sort of like nodding cheekily as in, oh, hi, mate. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so there's those little bits of their friendship, which I always love to see. But I thought that... It was very nicely done. It was never in your face. And yeah. Did you buy into their friendship, though, as, as it went on? And Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially, you know, considering what, what they did go through in Shuttlepod 1. It just kind of turned them from, you know, like the frenemy thing into, into full-on friends. That kind of situation would would do that, wouldn't it, I guess? And mm-hmm. a, a true near-death experience. I was always a fan of their conversations uh, in the mess hall. Because that yeah. is where we saw a lot of their friendship, wasn't it? When they were being a bit more letting their guard down. I think it was the mess hall where Reed 
cornered trip about to Paul uh, mm-hmm. and what was going on and the uh, the newer pressure. And I just remember the way he's like cheekily trying to get information out of Trip. I just remembered a moment when they did have confrontation after becoming friends. It was singularity. So it's when they weren't oh, yeah, it's when they weren't yeah. behaving. But obviously Reed's getting obsessed about Reed Alert. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Trip is obsessed about the chair. And I just remember I think it was in the mess hall again where they just like are going at each other about the fact that they need to get this work done. Yeah. That was the only time, I think. But yeah, I just thought the friendship was so strong. And actually, they're the only characters that got to say goodbye on the show at the end. Yeah. You know, in, in These Are The Voyages. They specifically got a farewell scene for each other, really, where they were saying their, mm-hmm. their goodbyes and things. And I don't think anyone else was extended that same courtesy throughout the show. And what do you think of the off-duty relationship between them? And I'm looking at two days and two nights, for example. The shirts they were wearing, they've gone down to the planet to basically to get some ladies. I mean, what did you think of that whole thing? It seemed like your typical buddy comedy, you know, where they're going to to Vegas or something. Basically like hangover in space. Yeah. And it ends so like in that episode, obviously it goes wrong for them. Turns out they're actually Mm -hmm. two alien men that posing as women that uh, Reed and Trip had gone for and then they get tied up by them and uh, all their stuff stolen. But let's talk about Malcolm and women because I can't think of examples right off the top of my head but when you're watching the show you start thinking like wow Malcolm's actually starting to make quite a list. You know he's uh, he gets lucky with a few feelings. There was the oh, their names escape me now but the the race the cogenitor comes from. Vissians. Yeah, the Vissians, that's it. I don't think we ever led to believe he doesn't have some kind of sexual relationship yeah. with uh, the woman there. And uh, there's the Andorian mm-hmm. in... Hmm. Season four. Is it season four? Yeah. It's happening there. Or season three. Season three. Proven Ground. Yeah, season three. Proven Ground, I think it is, isn't it? The one who ends up with Shran in season four. Mm-hmm. That's it. And he seems to always have, and they always seem to bond. He always seems to bond with like the strong military-like women. Yeah. I think it's the Vissian who said to him, like, you know, I was hoping to see your armory. And he was like, well, you know, I'll show you yours if you show me mine. I'm like, oh my yeah. God, Malcolm. I cringe. I don't know what it is, but even though Reed seemed to get lucky with a lot of women, I always thought, Reed also seemed a bit creepy with women sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. it, he was a bit too obsessed over the idea of getting with a woman. At that point, it would have been very, like, early seasons Bashir with with, with what, what he was doing. He was a little bit like that. I don't know if that's down to just what Rick Berman thinks a British man is like. <laughs> or, uh, or what. There's obviously recurring themes there. But, yeah, sometimes I felt like cringy but not the way i had previous track i've recently rewatched voyages caretaker the, the premiere of that show and like tom paris is so rapey oh yeah in the shuttlecraft when he's with like the helms woman who eventually mm-hmm. well, i don't give spoilers away so that's what happens to her but <laughs> that's like a rapey he's rapey with her as we say and uh, i don't use that term loosely but anyone who knows at least in over here in the uk that word describes we use that as like someone who is just it's very touching unwanted physical attention yeah. and stuff and, and it's, it's it's kind of like well don't don't behave that way mate because you're coming off like a certain type of person and i think reed walked just the right side of it sometimes yeah. you know without it becoming uncomfortable in the sense of oh i'm actually uncomfortable watching this you would be uncomfortable because you're cringing at him right in in with him rather than uh rather than worried about what you're going to see on screen i mean what do you think of malcolm's exploits with the ladies in and are you disappointed he never hooked up with someone like hoshi permanently 
Well, I'm going to say if the events of E-Squared did take place, we do find out that he was the only one of the, the main bridge crew that never got married or anything. Which was done on purpose. It was obviously yeah. because he was so obsessed with women. I guess they thought that was quite funny. I think it points he was he was trying hard, but Keating himself had has said on, on at least a couple times that he was playing Reed as a gay man. And that's why he was going over... He was kind of overcompensating for talking about and two women to to seem more more you know straight. Yeah, I could, I could see that to a certain point. I think like yeah, as a way he behaves, kind of way yeah, and being a bit overly strong and coming on too strong. Sorry, I could see that. I think if that was the case, he wouldn't have ever sealed the deal with yeah. uh, women. Maybe just from what I know of friends and such who who are gay who have tried to play up being straight before they've felt comfortable to come out i remember dominic keaton saying i think it's on the enterprise blu-rays actually Mm -hmm. might have seen it on there where he discusses that he'd got the part and then he'd been revealed for the show i think they might have revealed cast photos or something and then he says he's reading one story in a magazine maybe entertainment weekly or whatever it was and it said how dominic keaton was playing malcolm reed the first openly gay character in star trek and dominic keaton says he's like Hang on, <laughs> and he apparently picks up the phone to Brandon Braga, and he's like, "He's like, hey, Brandon, um, not that there's a problem with this, but they're saying in this story that I'm the first openly gay character in Star Trek, and he was told that wasn't the case. But I love that from day one, it was in the fan base. It was felt that Reed could be gay, and I mean, it certainly could have gone that way. I mean, as you said, he could have oh, been. Yeah. As, as I'm talking about it, I could see that even with what we saw on screen, I don't think it rules out that Malcolm was uh, exclusively focused on, on women, yeah. I guess, yeah. And, and who knows, he, 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 even though he was drunk, he probably still had enough wits about, about him to say to Paul's bum instead of Tripp's bum. Because if you ask Heather, she's kind of obsessed with Tripp, so... <laughs> A lot of women definitely were obsessed with Tripp at the time. I thought he might end up with Hoshi, was my feeling. But we never... Maybe we would have got that if, if we'd had longer on the show. So someone he most certainly would not have ended up with was Major Hayes. <laughs> yeah. There was no love loss between these two characters. So Major Hayes was introduced in the third season mm-hmm. of Enterprise as the leader of uh, the Makos, who were the military officers that came onto the ship who were not affiliated with Starfleet. It was found interesting anyway, because there's so much backstory there, because like, why would that group still exist at that point, given Starfleet has probably yeah. existed for what? At least 50 years. At least 50 years, yeah. We don't know when it exactly was founded. I don't think do we have to first contact, but at least 50 years, surely. So I was was a bit unsure of how that lined up in my head canon of how, why that group did. But it was still cool. It was still cool. I would say probably the people over, or, you know, in charge of United Earth at the time were like, hey, we we will probably still need some type of a military fighting force. So that's when they they decided to to do the Makos. Well, Major Hayes was uh, their leader on uh, on the Enterprise and as season three went on there was a bit of a conflict between him and Reed yes I don't think Reed was paranoid in it he was always convinced that Hayes was trying to take his job yeah uh, or at least take over the security side of the job so um, anything yeah, anything to do with security and away missions I think maybe Reed in his head thought he would just be left as a someone firing phases from the bridge and then Hayes would have everything else I don't know but it leads to a, a fantastic brawl is it in Harbinger I think so I think it was that episode and they have this great fight and they're slugging it out and I guess it's very immature but I don't know is it playing on this like stereotype that people who are from like more of a military background will just settle it with fists or something what, what what's going on there 
for me, I think there are some times where stuff is, is actually handled out that way between two people, especially, you know, one that's been more established and one that's just coming in. But yeah, I never really took part in anything like that, but I, I have heard of it, of it happening. Do you think Reed was unjustified in his feelings towards Hayes? Because at the start of it, it does feel like Reed is being a dick to Hayes. Because you not we're not seeing what Hayes is up to yet. It does feel like right. Reed is being a bit too like, well, mate, calm down. You know, there's nothing to worry about. Yeah, and then you know, we find out that there might be a little bit something to worry about, which is why he has been pushing so hard. Yeah, so Hayes did actually believe that his team would do a better job of running security, and we saw them in uh, in the Zindi in the first episode of season three, where they just kicked ass mm-hmm. on the away mission, and Reed admitted it. It was after that episode really where it got a bit more frosty, so I feel like they kind of changed course a little bit almost yeah. after that first episode. But it was all building towards the fight they had, and I always remember that when they thought it was done, and Hayes was outside in the corridor, and then Reed just calls his name, and he turns around, and then Reed just is in the air, <laughs> just like tackles him <laughs> and they're just going at it and in that fight as well I think there's a crewman comes around the corner and then Reed in the middle of the fight just turns around and he's like you know as you were <laughs> to yeah. the officer and the carrying and obviously Archer rips them a new one and that I guess eventually it only really truly came to a head in Hatchery which is the episode where Archer is under the influence of the little baby insectoids yeah the crew realize Archer's not himself he obviously tells Hayes the crew are losing their minds so he pits Hayes against Reed and in this case Hayes was thought he was in the right he was following the captain's orders right. but he didn't know Archer well enough to yeah. know that he was wrong and so I think he admits fault after that and Hayes ultimately is gone by the end of season three but I thought that for Reed was just a really good character arc throughout the season and I'm yeah. glad that he didn't look like such a dick at the end and actually he was right with his paranoia Let's go on to section 31. Okay. So first off, your thoughts on section 31, Chris, as a whole? As a whole, I like how they had it in DS9, where, you know, sort of like Starfleet's equivalent to the Tal Shiar and the Obsidian Order. And, you know, understanding that there were probably people like that. And the more you think about it, the more, you know, episodes like the Enterprise incident and Pegasus, how that can be linked to section 31 without directly saying it. Hmm retrospectively yes linking them yeah but as far as it having go go back this early even before the founding of the federation it seemed a little bit odd but i can understand what they were trying to do trying to connect it you know within star trek as a whole using section 31 honestly i think they probably could have called it something different and then it could have became section 31 within the charter like mm. like they had said mm. That's a good point, actually, I guess, actually, yeah. But I kind of like the idea that it existed before the Federation and was kind of probably just snuck into the charter. You know, like I, I kind of like that idea. So you would have seen Section 31 on Enterprise first, from right. the way you viewed, and you would have seen them on DS9 much later then. Yeah. So your first introduction to them, I guess, was Section... was well, Sorry, was on Enterprise then. Mm-hmm. So you already knew TOS, I guess. So yeah, kind of Section 31 to you already felt unnatural a little bit yeah katie for example met section 31 through discovery and so when she watched enterprise she was like "Ooh," because she knows section 31 from season two you know and so she liked that link i loved the introduction of section 31 into enterprise and i think they would have had a much bigger role in the show had it gone on for more seasons i think we would have seen more of them not prominent role but i think Without doubt, we would have seen how Reed ended up joining Section 31. And I think we would have got flashbacks to missions that Mm -hmm. Reed did, you know, things like that. 
I'm trying to remember what the internet was like at the time. I feel like the read and section 31 rumors had been around for a while before they did it. When the spoilers came out that that's what they were doing on the show before it aired, I feel like it wasn't a massive surprise to some people. Like people have been hoping for it. Yeah. For a while. Did you think it was fitting for his character that he would have been a part of this group? And I should clarify that he's adamant with Archer that he was not working for section 31 when he joined the Enterprise. Right. As far as Reed's telling us, he served in Section 31 before he came aboard Enterprise. But then again, that's exactly something that a Section 31 operative would tell you. (laughs) (laughs) That's very true. That's very true, yeah. But honestly, you know, knowing what we know of Reed, you know, up until the point we figure out, or we find out that he's been in Section 31, I I do believe that he thought he was done with them once he joined the Enterprise. What kind of missions do you think he was doing for them? Because I was... I was trying to think, he was with them for like two years, according to Memory Alpha. And yeah. I, I'm trying to think, like, what would he really have done? Because he, unless he's lying at the start of the show, he yeah. is not used to being off-world and around too many different aliens. So he can't have been doing much stuff off-world, surely. I would say probably, if anything, you know, trying to see what he can pick up from, from the Vulcans that, that they have learned. Information. You know. Yeah, yeah, just just kind of spying on them and reporting back. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I guess I was uh, I was a big fan of it. I couldn't quite understand. So obviously, to sum up for anyone who doesn't remember or needs, hasn't seen it in season four's Klingon two parter, mm-hmm. um, affliction and divergence. Yes, it's revealed that Reed is working with Section Thirty One, and Section Thirty One are a um, yeah secret organization that don't quite follow. They don't follow the ideals of the Federation. They work to protect the ideals of the Federation. Mm-hmm. So uh, they work in that gray area. They may murder. They may do whatever they have to do to, to make sure the Federation continues to exist, or in this case, Earth and Starfleet at yeah. this point in the timeline. We find out that Reed is working for them for two years before he joined the Enterprise, and he is made to, to stop the Enterprise from being able to save Flocks, who's been kidnapped by the... Mm-hmm the Klingons to work on a vaccine for uh, the illness that's going to take away their ridges and then be forgotten about by the time of discovery. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no one talks about that enough, by the way. That's that's the only continuity issue I've got with discovery, but whatever. <laughs> for me, the, the way that I've, I've headcanoned it is that these were Klingons that, that were not affected by the virus. Yeah, yeah. Or the, that were away from from the main population. Yeah, I've gone so. with that idea that not everyone got infected and that some were changing back sooner right it's the only way it works <laughs> perhaps the ones that you know that didn't catch it you know were social distancing wearing masks <laughs> you know washing their hands like they're supposed to so yeah he was reed was doing some work for them he eventually gets caught out by archer and, and archer gives him a chance to you know reveal why and reed won't tell him why at one point so it looks like reed's a traitor and reed's reputation yeah. is going through the shitter at this point on the ship you know and, yeah and he's in the brig and i mean did you think were you just saying, come on, Malcolm, just tell Archer, why aren't you telling him? Especially for me at this point, because, you know, I I didn't know about, you know, Section 31 from Deep Space Nine. This was my first introduction to it. And I was like, OK, I mean, I figure that's something you could probably tell your captain. I guess, yeah, I should ask that to you as as it was your first viewing and encounter with them. Is Yeah, did I knew I knew what Section 31. I know that they're actually evil yeah. and you could tell him you should tell him these things. But, yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, you as a. First time meeting them, yeah. were you clear about what it meant to read that he'd worked with them? Like, did it have any sort of weight to you at all? Not really, but that's probably sort of my naivety about it at the po- at that time. Just because I was like, 
yeah, well, you you should be able to tell at least your captain what's going on, and he he should be smart enough to be like, okay, I will kind of back off on that mm. and go from there. But I was surprised that Reed didn't tell Archer. Actually, I admired it because it is it is fitting with Reed that because he's always been faithfully loyal to Archer, and mm-hmm. you know, and he'd always one thing I love about Reed is he'd always put himself first, and he saw he saw his life as expendable for any tactical mission they were on. It was like he would happily take a shot to protect Archer. So it made sense to me that actually he would protect his line officer in, in Section 31. I can't remember the character's name off the top of my Harris. head. Harris. That's it, Harris, yeah. Yeah, that d- it does fit with him. But at the time, I was like, Reed, I was like, you, you're being a dick. Just mm-hmm. just tell Archer. It all makes sense. And obviously it works out for them in the end. Um, they use that relationship yeah. to their benefit. And Reed says, you know, don't ever contact me again but reed has to reach out at some point later but do we think that there was more dealings with reed in section 31 that we never saw after actually no i think i think it really actually was a clean break well that sort of brings us on to uh, the next bit i guess which is like you know where is he now so it's 20 it's 2161 the federation has been founded uh, we see on the holodeck version of those events that reed claims that he's just going to follow archer with whatever archer does but we don't know what Archer's going to do. There's uh, right. rumours he's going to get promoted to Admiral, which would probably make the most sense for Archer at that point. So he might not even have a ship, or he'll have a flagship of some sort. So Reed says he's going to do that, but he hasn't decided. So we spoke about this when we had Amy on the show, about you know, where do we yeah. think everyone is. I mean, what's he feeling now? Have you changed from your previous opinion that he did just follow Archer, or have you had time to think about it? What, one thing that, that just kind of popped to mind as I was, you know, kind of rereading through Reed's history. Honestly, I think you can see the flaws in that Hollow program because there's no way that after 10 years, not only Reed still being a lieutenant, but Hoshi and Travis still being ensigns after 10 years. Yeah, it's not going to have happened. Not not when they've just they fought a war with the mm-hmm. Romulans, probably Enterprise on the front lines of that. Yeah, do, doing two wars, you know, between the Zindi and the Romulans. And so they're at least lieutenants and lieutenant commanders. Yeah. Reed might even be up for selection for a commander at this point. Yeah, you'd think so. There's discrepancies in that program. Yeah. Yep. I would definitely think he would be in line for, for his own ship whenever they decide to make it, e- even if it was one of the Warp 4s like the Franklin. Head cannon, so making it work for the, the Warp 4 was, was there after the five. Yeah, because, I mean, you're right. We saw in the Twilight future that Reed was eventually going to get to captain his own ship, but I don't know if he ever we ever got to see him get that far. He Yeah, he died He died before he could take command of it. Yeah, he died just before that. Not, not the real Reed, guys, before we get accused of spoilers. <laughs> so we know that in that future where they were war-torn and where there was war going on and stuff, that he was going towards captain. I never got that feeling of him otherwise, that he was sort of chasing a captain role. Reed always felt to me as someone more happy to serve yeah. rather than be the one being followed. Like, like he could be captain as a chief of staff type of thing. For me now, I've decided that I think Reed would have gone off when the Federation found it and probably become like a head of security within the new Federation of Planets. And so he would have been like based on Earth, maybe doing diplomatic missions, leading up the tactical assignments and security assignments for that. And I can see Reed going into that rather than going onto another ship. Or another option actually is that we talk about Section 31. By the time of Discovery, Section 31 Mm -hmm. is known about in the Federation. We don't know whether that's everyone knows, but certainly people on the command track seem to know about it. Pike knows about it, Burnham knows about it, and it makes me wonder, did Reed play a part in that? So we saw in Discovery, I don't want to go spoilers in regards to what we saw at the end of Season 2 with who takes over Section 31, and uh, let yeah. people watch the show and find that out, but 
Maybe a similar thing happened with Reed. Maybe Reed yeah. took over Section 31, made them more... Over instead of covert. Yeah, and then it stays that way for a century, and then it obviously changes the following century, uh, before yeah. the time of DS9. Do you think that's a possibility for, for Malcolm? I would think so, and Reed's kind of like saying, hey, you know, let's try and make this more public, because this is not stuff that we want to kind of actually be doing. Yeah. In my head, maybe that's my new headcanon. Reed went off and he's part of the reason that Section 31 went public. I definitely yeah. see him being more Earth-based. I don't see him taking it on his own command. So there's something about Reed that just, like, yeah, he just, he's not a leader, Reed. He's the first guy you want to pick to be on your team. Right. And to be in the trenches with you. But I don't think Reed's the one who you'd have leading you from the trenches. But that said, I mean... As the show went on, I don't know if you noticed it and whenever you most recently watched it, but when you rewatch the show, Reed becomes much more badass as the show goes on. Like, his moveset changes in his fight scenes. The first season of Enterprise is full of the cast just getting knocked out. Yeah, left and right. By season three, they got tougher. And by season four, Reed is just a pro at taking anyone down, you know? he's uh, So maybe he would have carried on that track. Let's talk about favourite moments of Reed. For anyone listening and wondering why we're not talking necessarily about favourite episodes, I really think there's a conversation to be had on almost all the characters as a separate podcast for each yeah. one about favourite episodes. So I kind of want to hold off on that. But it's kind of like, can we pick any moments across the show that really stand out as enjoyable Reed moments? Or moments where you thought, that's the character, that's him right there. For me, when he's keeping Trip from sealing himself in the airlock in Shuttle Pod 1... Mm. The fight with Major Hayes. Yeah, yeah. That that to me is just like, yeah, I, I totally see that. They beat the crap into each other. <laughs> I was a big fan of Minefield, particularly the mm-hmm. first time I watched Minefield. I mean, it's still one of my favorites, but the first time I saw that episode, it blew my mind because of the visuals yeah. and, and everything going on. Now, sometimes I watch this episode and think that Reed's being a, a little wimp and, he should just, and he's been a pain in the ass. But the bit where he um, deactivates his yeah, oxygen or, he's getting or he lets to, it out or yeah. whatever he does. And um, obviously Archer has to save him from that. And I, I thought that moment was remarkably brave of Reed mm-hmm. to just sacrifice his life there and then. Because we saw in Shuttlepod 1 that although Trip was convinced that Reed just wanted to die, Reed brings up the point yeah. in that. I think he says, like, you know, do you think I want to die? You know, of course I don't want to die. I want to be prepared just in case. Yeah, it, it seems like Reed would happily die an honourable death mm-hmm. for someone, but Reed is very worried about the idea of a death that doesn't mean anything and it isn't for anyone. I mean, look how, as you mentioned earlier, when he finds out that he's not going to map in the... Um, in E squared or E2, everyone yeah. call it, when he finds out that he never marries in that future and stuff and eventually he's going to just die alone, he seems really sort of... That idea of being personally alone in, in his personal life, mm-hmm. it seems to affect him. So uh, I thought that moment in Minefield was very telling about his character and about, yeah. you know, just about the kind of man he was. Yeah, and I just loved the scene as well where he's in the um, the brig in that two-parter in season four. And mm-hmm. I think that's when the, um, the Klingon... Yeah, the Klingon gets brought in. You know, and he's kind of just like, you know, what are you in here for? You know, like, it's yeah. just this, uh, I just, I, there's so many moments I love with Reed. And I should just say that I thought one of the best Reed episodes that wasn't Reed was Observer Effect. I thought he, yeah. was, I thought uh, Dominic Keaton was, was so good in that episode at playing a different character. And really, I think they all were. Yeah, they, everyone was good in that. That's one of my favorite episodes of Star Trek. Yeah. I tell you what, actually, you could probably look at Singularity. We mentioned it earlier in season two. Mm-hmm. You could probably look at any Reed scene in that and say it's a favorite scene for Reed. There's so many, yeah. so many uh, funny Especially with, with how loud he makes the klaxons go and yeah. 
how, how annoying he makes them. I'm going to put it out there now. I'm in, I'm in the middle of starting a rewatch of all the Treks, but I think that Singularity, especially the stuff with Reed, is the only time that Star Trek has been funny for an hour. Like, <laughs> as in, like, Star Trek has been funny in moments, but, like, when Star Trek has tried comedies, quite often fallen flat. For me, yeah. that episode and, and the Reed alert, it's a red alert, Katie jokes about it all the time. Because she made the connection herself as well, like read alert, red alert, and we always, whenever we hear red alert on another show, it's like, oh, read alert. I just think that whole episode just worked, and that Dominic Keaton was part of that. I think he's definitely got comedy chops that he doesn't seem to use much in his other work. Yeah. He, he doesn't seem to be in the comedy um, genre too much. But are we happy with how Reed was developed then? I would say so. I like where we meet him at, and then where we actually kind of see him finish. So, how would you describe that that journey, and like, how would you describe the differences between? what he was at the start and where he was by the time let's go by where where we officially yeah. finish which we'll go with terror prime two-parter where is he from start to finish where he finishes i think he's more you know willing to to talk to crewmates you know open up to him a little bit more even if they have to have rum or whiskey or whatever <laughs> he'll open up to him more and not be as closed off realize that they're actually more family than, than his actual family to him he's definitely becomes a family man doesn't he as the show goes on, he does become a family man and uh, he goes from being the guy who's uncomfortable sitting in the captain's mess, having food at the start of Minefield to probably the guy who would be arranging the, the nights out for all, for all the senior yeah. crew having uh, having some drinks and stuff. I think, yeah, yeah, you're right. He does. He finishes it as a family man and also less trigger happy. He seems to learn that they don't have to blow everything up. and Yeah, and not everybody deserves a Vulcan hello. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I think at the start of the show, he would have absolutely been happy to give Falcon hellos to everyone. Yeah, I, w- I was very happy with how he was developed. I thought he actually got a lot more development than you realise. When you start listing it all, you're like, holy mm-hmm. crap, Reed did loads. If you compare it to Oshi, if you had your list of how she was developed, how Flox was developed, how Travis was developed, those are a few paragraphs, if that. Reed's got yeah. actually loads of stuff that uh, that he went through and, and that changed him, and significant stuff as well. He's involved in some of the best moments of the show, I think. So I was happy with him, and you never know what he went on to because i always remember deanna troy saying in that final episode or in that tng episode yeah. <laughs> which featured the enterprise characters you know deanna says reed he was not as big as she was expecting you know she's like you always hear about these these big characters and he, he just looks he just looks different to what she expected and yeah it's kind of like wow what did reed go on to do that you know like where did it where did he go after where we saw him that has meant that even deanna troy 200 years later has this preconceived idea of how he's going to look and be you know yeah. it's this it's hilarious. I, I wish I knew. On that note, though, like, was his story complete in Enterprise, given that we had cancellation uh, for I, four I seasons? I don't think so, because I, I think there's still there's still some stuff to mine within Reed's character. His story wasn't complete, was it? It does work. Mm-hmm. The, the annoying thing for me is the Section Thirty One thing came so late. It's like a it's like a right. tag on to Reed, whereas if we'd obviously had more time with the show, I do mm-hmm. think we would have seen Section Thirty One more and. I think we'd remember that as more of a significant part of his backstory. Yeah. Because of how it the show ended, it was just something thrown on at the end. And you forget, you almost forget about it when you're talking about Reed because you're talking about those, mm-hmm. that fight with Major Hayes or getting stuck to the ship in Minefield or Shut Up Pod 1. You forget that there's a real huge thing that happens at the end with Reed. Yeah. You know, and that's massive that he was with Section 31 and we never truly explored it. 
So what about the man behind Malcolm Reed? Dominic Keaton, I had hoped to meet him actually at the last Destination Star Trek, but it wasn't to be because yeah. of scheduling. But how did you find his work on the show as a whole? I really enjoyed it. Definitely gave strong performances. You can definitely see, you know, like in uh, The Communicator when, when he's, you know, up with Scott Bakula. They worked well together, both giving and taking and, and going from there. I think there was times where Reed comes off as a little bit stiff in a sense of like you, th- you don't know if it's an acting choice and you wonder about Dominic Keaton's performance in that scene or whatnot but then actually you get other scenes where Dominic Keaton is just knocking out of the park and you realise mm-hmm. that it's all deliberate it's all part of Reed being a bit distant and, and then when he does finally have these chances the communicator is a fantastic example Yeah, the scene specifically where him and Archer are in the, locked in their cell talking about the fact that they're going to die great acting uh, he does fantastic stuff in Shuttlepod 1 he is very good in Minefield and Dead Stop yep. across the two. So I'm a massive fan of Reed and he's he is probably my favourite. He must be well, I think every Enterprise character is my favourite <laughs> in their area, but he's I think he's probably my favourite tactical officer. He was such a step up from Tuvok for me, mm-hmm. uh, who'd filled the, the same role pretty much on the previous show. I loved Reed. That was down to the work that Dominic Keaton was doing as well. Because I don't know yeah. if it would have all worked to have that stiff, stereotypical Britishness to him, a little bit of the male bravado he'd have, like with Hayes, to the cheeky Reed that's with his mate and with the lady. Yeah. I just don't I just can't imagine anyone else doing it can't imagine anyone else pulling it off in such a fun way as Dominic Keaton did, you know? So, well done to Dominic. I think we've covered most of the stuff with Reed. I've enjoyed the conversation about him, and I think that if we ever did get the short tracks that (laughs) we always talk about, I feel like there's one there for Reed. You know, there's there's something they could do with Reed that that they could at least time in. But if even though it's disappointing that his story wasn't complete, I think that... As a Reed fan from episode one, I could have no complaints about where he finished. There's other characters on the show where their their diehard fans could feel a little bit hard done by by the end of it. But, you know, as a Reed fan, gosh, you know, like I said, it was Dominic Keaton who dragged Reed from being one of those four supporting actors to becoming... Three and a half. Yeah, three and a half. And Dominic Keaton did that and, uh, and, and Reed as a character grew as a result, so... On 28th of October, 2020, our weekly discussion will focus on the Enterprise novel, What Price Honor? This was a second original Enterprise novel following By the Book, which we have previously reviewed on this podcast. If you'd like to be fully knowledgeable of what we discuss in our 28th of October show, then please dig out your copy of What Price Honor or visit an online retailer to purchase a copy. We look forward to our next book club discussion. The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast, is produced and hosted by myself, Chris Hill, and Kyle West, and is a part of the Holosuite Media Podcast Network. To keep up to date with all the news and updates from The Expanse, be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at NX01Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at TheChrisHill, and Kyle on Twitter at KyleThomasWest. To join the Holosuite Media Community Discussion Group, simply type the Nexus into the Facebook search bar, and we'll see you there. Thanks for listening, and until next time, keep shirts on. This show is brought to you by Hollow Sweet Media. 
Computer. List other available Holosuite media programs. Loading Holosuite preview program for Blast Shield, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast. When Mariner realizes that these characters behave exactly how they, how their normal counterparts do, she quickly rewrites it into a movie and adds in some set pieces, as she says, and things like that. She basically is going to plan to kill her mum painfully and horribly in the holodeck really to help just her. just her mum? Everyone, yeah. To help her get over her, her issues, I guess. It seems like a perfectly reasonable thing to do. Loading Holosuite preview program for Starbase One, a Star Trek online podcast. I don't really think that's a good idea. I order you to do it right now. Warning. The structural integrity field has collapsed. This is Admiral Quinn. You will be assigned to Starbase One. Welcome to Starbase One. I'm Colin. I'm Admiral Aaron. I'm Dave. I'm Steve. And I'm Tom. Starbase One is a dedicated Star Trek Online podcast. If you're a first-time listener, hello. If you're a dedicated decade listener and you've been wondering where the hell we are, we're back. Loading Holosuite preview program for Starpod Log, a classic science fiction and fantasy podcast. Well, and, and it's amazing read, reading that description of the movie, because if I was going to write a description of Star Wars, that's not exactly what I would say. <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean, but yeah, yeah, it's neat to go back and read these and you're going, wow, that's just, you know, they, they don't really make it sound as exciting there, but they still, I mean, they make it look like, yeah, you want to see it, but, but not for, for those reasons exactly. Computer, deactivate Holosuite.